This is the Property Solopreneur Podcast, and I'm Rachel Troughton. I'll be talking about everything you need to create wealth by building your portfolio in a sustainable and profitable way. I'll be sharing the realities of a property investing business. I'll talk bricks and mortar, buy to let, HMOs, flipping and planning game, as that's what we all enjoy doing. But I'll also share how to use good systems, processes, and find the right professionals to work with. In fact, everything that will enable you to become a successful property solopreneur. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode. And I'm talking about bottlenecks. Have you got a bottleneck in your business? You may not have thought of it, really, But if you are failing to grow, you're stagnant, you're finding it difficult to take on more work or even fit it all in, I would think you've probably got a bottleneck. Now, I can honestly say that I never thought of it in that way until I had a client come and work with me on an investor day who had come to me for a very specific reason. He wanted to find more time. Do you remember, time was one of those things that we all said we wanted when we set up our own business, so we wouldn't be at the beck and call of somebody else. Well, it's funny how it goes out of the window very quickly when you're working for yourself. And I'm always amazed, be constantly being told by people that they're part of the five o'clock club when they never were when they worked or they worked 24-7. I know it's a really easy sort of way to get into the habit of when you're running your own business. And this was very much him. Now, he didn't work 24-7. He was quite sensible about that. But he knew that there was more to property than what he was actually doing. And he wanted to grow. And he'd looked at everything and he couldn't work out how to do it. So he'd come for a day to say, I don't need to find more money. I can find money at a drop of a hat. I don't need to work out how to do different sorts of property. I've got that all sussed. What I need to do is unpick my business, put it back together and find the time that I've lost. Time that I can then go and use to play with my children, go and watch their football matches before they're grown up suddenly and they're off my hands. But as the day went on in the strategy day and we were going over all his spreadsheets and everything that he'd sent to me beforehand, it became very obvious that no matter what job or what task we were looking at, eventually he would say, and then that comes back to me for approval. And this was a mantra. It went through the day. You know, it would come back to me to do X or Y. And this was dependent. It was completely across the board. It didn't matter whether the task was big, little, trivial, important. It came back on his desk. And all this stuff came back on his desk, the emails, the telephone calls, the little pop your head around the corner, have you got a moment kind of conversation. These were slowing down what he could do to such a degree that it was frankly causing him to be bored rigid because he never got anything really done and smothering his creativity and his joie de vivre, which was a great shame. Now, if you're visual like me, it always helps to have this sort of little mental thought. And I think bottlenecks are very much like those old-fashioned hourglass clocks. You know, the one with the sand in, which you have to just keep turning over. They They come in, I think it's minutes and hours. Uh, the old-fashioned ones. But anyway, looks like that. So on one side of his bottleneck, he had a great rental portfolio, which was an amazing combo of single lets, professional and student HMOs, with a sprinkling of serviced accommodation. Amazing income coming out of this because it was in in a big city. And this meant that he had fabulous income, which was paying down the mortgages because he didn't need to use all his income as salary. What a fantastic position to be within. 
Now, on the other side of his bottleneck, he had what he called his development wing. That was a huge blanket coverage for almost anything else in property. And that was the stuff that really lit his fire. He had built his portfolio from scratch and it was now doing what he set it up to do. He'd mentally parked it, but was still being kept busy by the everyday activity. And that was chafing at him. Now, he absolutely adored the concept and the ideas that he wanted to do in the development side. He was a hunter-gatherer. He was so enthused by the chase of finding the deal, of the negotiation, and will it, won't it go for this price, you know, getting all the right quotes in, turning a building round incredibly quickly so that he could get it back sold or back into his portfolio to make the money go again. I mean, he was an absolute banker's delight. He had a group of very, very helpful and wealthy money suppliers. He was not on the treadmill, which most people are, of you know, incubating and finding new money sources. In fact, it sounded idyllic, didn't it? But he was stuck between a rock and a hard place, you know, in that bottleneck of his business, and he could not grow. Deeply frustrating. He could only cope time-wise with what he was actually doing. Now, he'd been very successful in his past career in corporate, and sometimes that is the problem. He'd been so successful that he knew just how to set up a business because he'd been running one for goodness knows how many years. But he was a solopreneur who had now set up a business in a corporate mould, just himself and two outsourced workers. But he was so in the business that he could not get on now and work on it. And normally when this happens and I'm doing a strategy day with someone, I go, right, first things first, when you get back, you just need to go and take a laptop to a coffee shop where there's no other distractions and just reconnect with why on earth you set this up in the first place. Get everything back on paper to remind you. Well, he wasn't even going to get to a coffee shop, so that wasn't an option for him. He was just snowed under. But having said that, when we were starting to pick, unpick everything, we did it in two ways. One, we used the little word why, which I know children use it all the time, don't they? But you know, it's really useful because every sentence, everything you say can be answered with why. So he had to really dig deep and come to the reason as to why he did something. And most of the time, the answer was, because that's how I set it up. That's the way we've always done it. It's a habit. And habits, well, I think we've all got habits, haven't we? And that often is a bottleneck. It's the way we've always done it. For some people who inherit businesses, that's an even bigger problem because it's been done that way since before computers came in. Nightmare to unravel. Or the fear of disaster. Well, we all fear disaster. And sometimes we've just got to go for it and, and, and something's not work. And then we can pick up the pieces and work out why it didn't work. But most of all, he couldn't move on because he had, and I have to say, I think this is somewhat justifiable, faith in his own abilities. And I think if you're a good entrepreneur, you'll definitely have faith in your abilities. Occasionally, you know, we all have a wobble and it, we all think we can't do something, but that doesn't usually last long for those of us who, who want to get up and go and do stuff for ourselves. But the other side of that is the fact that if you're so amazing and you're so good at it, you tend to be convinced that others may be less than amazing. No matter that they may have uh, professionalisms that you haven't got, for some unknown reason, you just know that if you do it yourself, it'll be done better and faster. That is so not the case. So what we did to get everything going was have a series of action plans. And the first was that we were going to hive off his letting business because he had it all in-house. Not that it was going to be allocated out to an, any form of letting agent, but he was going to let the manager actually manage and do their job for themselves. So he gave, he started off by giving his property manager 
a spend threshold per property, which is quite normal, but he'd just never done it. And she had a, a Dropbox and spreadsheet, which she put everything in. And basically in the Dropbox, she just put all, you know, anything that she thought of. So she would screen and shot in all her invoices and any little scribbles that she thought he might be interested in. Now, the interesting thing about this was that that Dropbox was one way. She could put in whatever she liked. He could not comment on it. That it was a one-way piece of information. And the, the second part of that was that he was going to stop receiving all the phone calls and emails that she would normally not have because it was lettings and deal with them herself. Because normally she had to pass them on to him. What do you want me to do with this? What do you want me to do with that? Shall I do this? No, stopped all of that. She dealt with it all. So the only emails and telephone calls that he was getting were connected to the other side of his business, which should have been the fun bit, you know, the developing bit. Of course, this takes a great deal of trust because it might all go wrong. But my point was that in order for him to have the time and the stretchability to do the exciting bits in his business, he had to let go of one department and it had to work when he let go. So this was a moment where he could see whether or not he'd got it right. If he'd chosen the wrong people to work for him, then doing this would highlight it and he could bin them and start again and get it right. However, if he'd hired the right people, then why was he duplicating their work or constantly checking their efforts? You know, he needs to know this sort of thing now before he started to expand again. Because if you go on with everything going wrong behind the scenes and you haven't spotted it, or only one person can keep everything from the balls dropping, when you get too big, disaster will occur. Well, he gave me incredibly good reasons as to why this was not going to work and why he could not do it. So we came up with a compromise because actually he did want to do it. He just couldn't quite let go. Now, anyone who's worked with me before knows perfectly well that I love 12 weeks. I think it's a great length of time. You can really get going and there's time to learn your craft, do it, and then start to evaluate at the end of 12 weeks. But to my client, 12 weeks, I might as well have said, you know, 12 years. Far too long for him to actually do anything in. this. He was a man of action. He needed a shorter time span. So my compromise was that it was only going to be eight weeks. Eight weeks he could come to grips with. And, you know, there was nothing, if you thought about it, that couldn't be easily reversed or changed financial or otherwise, in that space of time. So he felt a lot happier because basically he'd quantified any disaster that could happen and he'd done his risk analysis. Now, eight weeks later, we did meet up and sat down and discussed how the trial had gone. Well, I had no doubt that he would actually give it a go because he was that sort of person. And he gave me one of the biggest and happiest smiles I've ever seen. I shall treasure it forever because he had achieved everything he'd wanted to out of that strategy day because he said to me, by the end of the first few weeks, I'd gained one whole day of time. That was just magical to me. But by the end of eight... I'd got two whole days a week that weren't already earmarked for work. Everything else was working. Lettings was working. All the small things were going on. There was no great crisis. It was fantastic. So he'd achieved. But actually, we'd achieved more than that. We discovered, and this hadn't been on the plot, that the rental manager had been on the verge of thinking about perhaps going because she hated working for him. He was such a micromanager. It didn't matter what she did. She was breathing, he was breathing down her neck, you know. She couldn't even open an email without him suggesting how they could do this, that, and the other. But she was now very satisfied with how the whole thing was going. She was loving her job. She was really enjoying being kept accountable by having to tell him what what's going on. And of course, the other thing was 
that she'd written a job description that actually worked and reflected what she was doing because she said she had pride in what she was doing and she didn't want when she would go, because of course, inevitably, as an employee, you will leave at some point, she would want it to, whoever to replace her to be the same high standard sort of person. Now, my client was thrilled with that. That was something we hadn't had on, on the list at all, but it really made a difference to him because he realised straight away that that kind of feedback he could do in other departments as well. So his bookkeeper, the way he worked with her changed. So instead of always sitting with her and going through everything together, wasn't that helpful? Not. Yeah, the bookkeeper still came twice a week, but he wasn't there. He was on site. He was visiting things. He was doing what he needed to do. And she just basically gave him a daily summary and popped it in the Dropbox. Completely different attitude to how to work with it. Two happy administrators. But of course, on the other hand, what else was my client going to do? Well, he'd got these two days. And as I say, he was a doer. So he wasn't saying to me, thank you very much, Rachel. You've created the perfect four-day working week for me. No, he now wanted to maximise those two days. So we worked on his diary. Diaries, gosh. Diaries can be, should we? I'm trying to think how to phrase this, they can be the most beautiful works of art. Totally fictitious. They bear no resemblance to many people's actual daily activity. They're there just to look fantastic. But when I'm working with people, the first thing I say to you when you've got an open diary is, okay, when are you going to take time off? If you've got the time off written in there, then you can work out when you're going to be able to do all your important building work and when you're going to be able to literally double up and make sure that everything is ready before you go on holiday. And so we put those in. And then I said, well, we're looking for time, weren't we? So where are all those school football matches, school rugby matches? They all got put in. So now we've got the bones, the good skeleton of the week. They were the really important things, whereas before the business had been all over it and drowned them out. And then we just went, right, OK, well, if you can't see estate agents on Monday because that's, you know, they're, they're catching up day and they're not on Fridays because that's when they're hopefully doing, you know, exchanges and completions. Where are the key blocks? And let's start from there. And we worked out what to do. And the great thing is, of course, he's got lots of white space in his diary, too. So should he want to be spontaneous and go and have lunch with someone? He can do that. So bottlenecks. They may be something more than you think. They occur not because you are no good at running your company. It's because you've probably understood exactly what's needed and you've been doing it, rolling up your sleeve and getting it all done. But you've failed in one spot. It's tiny, really. Just to step back ever so often and ask yourself if your systems are still fit for purpose. They might have been 10 years ago or whenever it was you started your business, but perhaps not now. So if you want to grow and if you want to be able to do slightly different things or just have more time in your business for you, go and see where your bottleneck is. You know, the bottleneck that's stopping you from growing, stopping you from pivoting into another profitable area now that you've uh, got going and, and had some success. Because don't forget, we don't have to do the same thing forever. Particularly in property, there is so much to do out there. I mean, it's, you can just get overexcited for years about the whole thing. So once you've achieved perhaps a portfolio is now built and is producing money, you may want to go into development like he did or do something slightly different. But you've got to start removing the bottleneck. Have a look because you're a solopreneur. So that means you don't have to put up with it. Bottleneck doesn't have to stay there. You can't go and complain about it to someone else. It's up to you to change it. It's up to you to rewrite the rule book. Who knows, you know, removing the bottleneck could get everything going again. 
it could make you remember why you got started. That sense of anticipation and enthusiasm. It could make you refine the fun and the pleasure that it gave to you if you suddenly found yourself snowed under the mountains of paperwork and that hadn't really been on the horizon when you were going to do property and you'd just thought about high vis and hard hats. Have a good look and book up for a VIP strategy session with me. What have you got to lose? Well, I would say more fun, more time and more profit. Thank you for listening to the Property Solopreneur podcast with Rachel Troughton. If you want to create a professional and profitable property business, download my property business checklist now at racheltroughton.com slash checklist.